0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: You're listening to Away with Words. I'm Grant Barrett.
2: And I'm Martha Barnett. And Grant, I have a crossword puzzle clue for you. Shoot. I'm looking for a four letter word. It ends with the letter D. And the clue is it moves tirelessly. Any guesses?
1: It moves tirelessly. Does that mean without tires, or it means without tiring?
2: Oh gosh, you've already halfway figured it out.
1: <laughs> I don't know the answer though. <laughs> That's the thing with crosswords, isn't it? There are always puns and near puns, and the use of homographs and homonyms, and and. Boy, I don't know.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: It, four letters, in with a D, and mm-hmm. means moves tirelessly.
2: Tirelessly, without tires, you're right. What it,
1: is something it? that moves without tires and ends in a D? And
2: maybe goes down a hill during the oh, winter. Oh, a
1: sled, there Isn't we that go. is great? Yeah. Oh, that's good, that's yeah. a great one. I've got one for you.
2: Okay, bring it on.
1: All right. It is seven letters. Uh, I don't know what the last letter is, but, it, well, I guess I can give you the last letter. The last letter is a G, okay. and it means the close of a day.
2: The close of a day is not evening?
1: It is evening.
2: Well, that was easy.
1: Yeah, but you know where I got it from? Where? The world's first crossword puzzle. Really? Yeah. You found the
2: world's first crossword (laughs) puzzle? Well, yeah.
1: It's It's on the website of Will Shorts.
2: NPR Puzzle Master Will Shorts. Funny you should mention him, Grant. Right. Since you and I will be appearing at this year's American Crossword Puzzle Tournament with Will... And I should mention too that at this year's tournament, you will be doing the play-by-play color commentary during the finals. The pressure's on,
1: Grant. I, I tried a couple last week. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh no, Uh-oh. I got like five of them. Five five of the answers, or you did five? Five puzzles? answers total. Five <laughs> answers total in one puzzle. I worked on it for like a half an hour. But you oh, know what no. my big impediment is, right?
2: No, what? The,
1: the, my resistance to puns.
2: You're probably thinking about all this obscure technical jargon anyway. And it's some simple answer like evening or something.
1: I'm actually looking forward to the convention because I I suspect that these are our people, Martha. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes, they are our people, Grant, and I got that one clue about the word sled from the website Crossword Ease, that's E-S-E dot com. And I'm going to toss you some more of those later on in the show, so don't go to that website. And in the meantime, if you have a question about language, give us a call. The number is
1: Hello, you have a way with words.
2: Hey, this is Gwen from San
3: Diego. Hiya, Gwen. Well, hello, Gwen. Hey, how you doing? My question has to do with the use or the origin of the word plum, not plum as in a fruit, but more as an exclamatory adjective. Mm
4: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: And the only way I know how to sort of further clarify what my question relates to is to tell you a little story about when I was growing up in the South.
2: Great. And where Where was this?
3: Well, I am an Atlanta native, but Uh lived in in Georgia all my life. And Uh my grandparents live in a little tiny town in North Georgia. We were visiting my grandparents, as we often did, when I was about four years old. And at that time, my grandparents had a little dachshund named Brownie. Mm -hmm. And we were up there, and I did not know, nor did I understand, that Brownie was with child and expecting a litter any day now. And I picked the little dog up and turned him upside down and looked at his tummy and said, Honey, you plummied up with
1: chiggers.
3: (laughs) Chiggers, by the way, meaning mosquito bites. Sure, sure. Oh, not
1: not chiggers as in the little red bugs, the little tiny little ticks?
3: Well, at four years old, to me, chiggers were mosquito bites. And and the little tummy looked like it was covered with mosquito bites, which they were not. So,
2: what what do you know about that term "plum"? Is that just an old Southern term? It's a wonderful Southern term. You're bringing back all kinds of memories for me, Gwen. I can I can hear my Aunt Mazo saying something like, uh, "Oh, I don't know, them puppies been chasing each other round and round, and now they're all plum tuckered out." Exactly. Yes. Right. Right. I can you know, hear right? it. Right. Well, let me ask you this, Gwen. Do you know what a plum line is? Uh is that something in construction? That... Yeah, yeah, the kind That's of right. right, the kind yeah. of line that has a weight on it. Yes. Yeah. Right. So you use a plumb line to make sure something's vertical because that plumb line goes straight down to the ground and it's perfectly perpendicular to a flat surface, right? Yes.
5: Yeah.
2: Now, the plumb weight on the end of that was traditionally made out of lead and the Latin word plumbum Means lead, oh you're kidding, no and the, and
1: the and the symbol for lead on the elements chart is
2: p b is that right mm-hmm. I don't yeah, I, I don't remember, is, uh, and Gwen, who's the person who comes to fix th- what at least used to be lead pipes in your house? Oh gosh, a plumber, a plumber is not that amazing? yes, it's amazing. See the light bulb going on? It is yes, all
3: right, well,
1: wait a second, what does that have to do with chiggers
3: <laughs> well. <laughs> We won't get into that, but, but other than the fact that the little dog was expecting a litter any day now, and it mm-hmm. was a little female dog, uh-huh. mm-hmm. so they were not chiggers.
1: Yeah, the, right. Well, now, so, so I guess you're headed here, Martha. Uh, we've seen the transformation, then, right? It's clearly, we went from plum, meaning something vertical, up and down, to right,
2: absolutely, completely straight. As exactly as a plumb line.
1: Okay.
3: All right, so I never it... would have guessed that. Well, thank you all so much for answering my question. Well, you're welcome. That helps, you, know, Gwen?
1: Gwyn, you know, Gwen, it's not just a Southern phrase, although I think that's one of the places where it's kind of um, set up house in the United States. It actually goes back several hundred years.
2: Yeah. Wow.
3: Well, thank you so much. Even well, you're welcome. Insane, We're glad to I take love your call. The show. All right. Thanks a lot
2: for calling, Gwen. Thank you, Grant.
3: And thank Martha. you, Gwen. Bye, okay. bye.
1: Bye, bye. We'd love to take your calls about southernisms, regionalisms, dialect, colloquialisms, and what grandma used to say. Give us a call, one 929 9673 or send us an email to words at waywardradio.org.
2: Hi, you have a way with words.
6: Hello, this is Alex Ferguson from San Diego, California.
1: Well, hello, Alex. What's going on? Hi,
6: Alex. Hi, how are you? Martha Grant. Doing wonderfully well. I'm um, doing well as well. Um, my question has to do with uh, the, the use of driver's license. Um, it's in the news a lot lately with um, a lot of the immigration stuff going on.
2: Right, um, especially here
6: in and California. And we have a big debate yeah. at work going on with it for a while, so it's just kind of uh, would like to know the correct usage, actually. Um, we I hear a lot in the news, you know, people saying driver's license, but if you actually look at the document itself, it's a driver license.
1: In California.
6: In California and in Texas. Mm-hmm. So I, I called my dad up and had him... Uh, Check his driver's license. <laughs>
2: uh-huh. And what does it say in Texas?
6: Uh, driver license as well.
2: Driver license. Interesting. And so you're having a dispute with your coworkers on this? Kind, kind of.
6: It's just an dis- ongoing discussion.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: Uh, we, somebody will say driver's license, and another person will correct that person to be like driver license.
2: <laughs> oh, boy. And
6: if it, you know, the apostrophe S, if, you, if it's possession, then you might be able to argue, well, what type of license is it? It's the driver's driver license. Okay. So, just like to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Well, you know, Martha, I just pulled mine out while you guys were talking, and and mine's a New York State driver license, uh-huh. so there's no possessive, there's uh-huh. no no apostrophe S yes there at all.
4: Uh-huh.
1: And what about yours? Do you do you have uh, you have a California one? Do you still have a a one from Louisville, from, I, from Kentucky?
2: Just because I'm nostalgic, I have my old Kentucky license, mm-hmm. which is really pretty, actually. It's got, this, it's got this photo of horse farms and rolling fields and a beautiful white fence. And it says, driver's license. <laughs> Alex, you know what? We don't have a really good answer for this question um, because it's, it's not standardized yet. Now, what do you think? It, you think it should be just plain old driver License. I, I think
6: so. You know, like if if, uh, if you get pulled over for a speeding ticket or something uh-huh. and and the cop says, let me see your, I, th- I think he should say, let me see your driver's license. Really? Because he's talking about the document itself. Uh-huh. But I guess it could be driver's license if it does say driver's license.
1: Well, uh, not much resolution there, Alex, but at least you know that um, if it really bothers you, you can just move to a different state.
6: Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll go to Kentucky. There you go. <laughs>
1: There we go. Good Massachusetts, idea. Pennsylvania, Idaho. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Take
6: your pick. Thank right. you guys very much for your time. Okay, You're welcome. Sure Take thing. care. I have bye a bye. great show. Okay. Bye bye.
2: You know, Grant, I don't know. I'm looking at my two licenses side by side: driver license and my old Kentucky driver's license. And I don't know. It, to me, driver license looks so cold. It looks like the difference between Arial and Times New Roman. You know the fonts. It just—it yeah. looks colder without those serifs or something. I don't
1: know. The apostrophe is warm and homey.
2: Yeah, yeah. This is going to keep me up tonight. I just know it.
1: Yeah. Have you seen a doctor lately? <laughs> <laughs> you can give us a call at one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three or email us to words at waywardradio.org.
2: Hello. You have a way with words.
7: Hey. I'm sure my sister would disagree. Uh, <laughs> Who is this? Get her
1: on the line. I'll, tra- I'll straighten her out, buddy. I have three sisters of my own. I know how to handle them.
7: Uh, this is Ari, and I'm calling from uh, Austin, Texas. Ari!
1: You sound very young. You're what, what are you, like 40 or 50?
7: Actually, I'm probably the youngest person that's been on your show. I'm 13.
1: Oh, 13. no. We, we've we had some 9-year-olds and 11-year-olds, but I'll tell you what, you're one of a very elite group of young people.
2: yeah. Congratulations.
1: So you've got a question about language, or was this just a prank call?
7: <laughs> well, um, certainly your refrigerator is probably running, so I'm just going to skip that and uh, ask the question.
1: And I, I let Prince Albert out of the can a long time ago.
7: <laughs> so I was wondering, uh, we were talking in the car, and the uh, the term tomboy came up, and then we I was just wondering, Oh, where did the tom come from? Because I figured the boy came from the girl acting like a boy, but
4: mm-hmm.
7: I didn't know where the tom came from. So that started bugging me, and I then I knew who to call.
1: Well, there we go. I've got a question for you, Ari, in yes. return for your question. Um, do you do spelling bees at all?
7: Uh not so much. Mm-hmm. All right.
1: Well, let me give you then an SAT word that you'll, you'll keep on hand until you start uh, applying for colleges, all right? Okay. The word is pleonasm, P-L-E-O-N-A-S-M. And what it means is a word that contains within itself the same meaning twice or more than once. And that's what tomboy is because Tom actually also refers to a male human being. So Tom mm-hmm. and Boy both refer to a male human being. Now, Tom generally is a man. It's just kind of like the same way you might call somebody Joe, Mac, or Buddy to refer to, like, some random guy, like a, a typical fellow, right?
7: How did it get to a girl that acts like a guy um, being called a tomboy?
1: Somewhere in the 1500s. You're right. It was originally referred to a boy who was um, rude or boisterous. And somewhere in the mm-hmm. 1500s, it just switched. It mm-hmm. became... Uh, a term to mean a bold or immodest woman. And then a little later, it became the meaning that we know today, which is a girl who behaves like a boisterous boy. Yeah. All right, did I lose you there, or did I help?
7: No, that helped. (laughs) Well, Ari, this has
2: been fun. Yeah. All right, see you later. All right.
1: Talk to you later. Well, if you'd like to take part of this tomfoolery, send us an email at words at waywardradio.org or give us a call at one 929 Don't forget about our discussion forum. There's lots of activity there and plenty of things to read and plenty of places to leave your own comments.
2: Stay tuned for our slang quiz, and we'll take more of your calls right here on Away With Words.
1: You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Grant Barrett.
2: And I'm Martha Barnett, and it's time for Slang This, the puzzle where you have to guess the meaning of some strange slang terms. Today's contestant is Amber Wright from San Diego, California. Amber, welcome. Thank you. Say hi to Grant. Hi, Grant.
1: Hello, Amber. What's going on?
2: Oh, just excited to play the game. Awesome. Got my game shoes on. (laughs) You got your (laughs) game shoes on? What do they look like?
4: Oh, they're actually um, embarrassingly purple slippers. Awesome. Oh,
2: yeah.
4: Amber, do you there in your slippers have a favorite slang term for us? Oh, yes. Well, um, I um, often use the term foobard um, <laughs> to explain something that is, you know, all messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, such as in the phrase, oh, my gosh, this is, I'm, this is such a foobard situation, or that guy is so foobard. And apparently it's a... Um, An acronym? Is that how you say that? That That's right. Yes. Um, For right. (laughs) uh, Filed up. F blank 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 up beyond all recognition. Yeah, filed up beyond all recognition. (laughs)
1: Words
4: too. (laughs) And I grew up in a you know in a very um, conservative community, and so it was an appropriate way for me to you know be naughty and say things that are inappropriate. So (laughs) that's
2: (laughs) subversive. You're subversive, aren't you? Well, you can ask my parents about that. Oh, okay. Mm, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Amber, how about if we move on to our game? Sure. Okay, Grant's going to give you a slang term, and then he'll give you three sentences that suggest what that term might mean. Okay. Only one of those will be real and the other two are fake, so your task will be to figure out which of those three sentences illustrates how this particular slang term is actually used. All right. Now, Amber, chances are you haven't heard the word before, so the trick will be to puzzle out its meaning. You got it? Got it. Okay, Grant, take it away.
1: All right, here we go. We've got two words today. The first word is Bino, B-E-A-N-O. And it's not the trade name for the anti-gas uh, <laughs> yes. food supplement that you take, all right? And so the three clues. First clue, the bloke slipped into the pub and had a roaring good Beano busting up tables and throwing their mates down the cellar stairs until the pub owner had to call in constables. And the second clue, instead of caucuses or primaries... The citizens of colonial Rhode Island held beanos. Each participant was given 20 dried beans to divide among canisters for each of the candidates. More beans in the can meant more delegates. <laughs> and the third clue New rules at Fenway Park outlawed the beano, in which Red Sox fans cook up pots of beans behind the opponent's dugout. It is believed that the rich smell of mustard, cinnamon, and beans distracts players and throws them off their game. So there, are your three clues, Amber, is a beano, British slang for a party, a method of choosing political candidates in colonial Rhode Island, or cooking beans to distract visiting teams at Fenway Park.
2: Oh, Amber, what do you think?
4: Wow, I want it to be a British term for a party, just because Why? I want to use that. Like I'm going to throw <laughs> an amazing beano this weekend. We're gonna. Well, your, your wish and... is granted.
1: It is indeed a yes. A, 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 <laughs> yes, a beano is just British slang for a party.
4: <laughs> right?
1: All right. Here we go. Here's the second one. The second word is MACE, M-A-C-E, and it's a verb, so to MACE.
4: Okay.
1: A, the first clue. Loss prevention managers in the retail business say that these days most shoplifters MACE, their acronym for Meat at Counter Empty Handed. Shoplifters pick up merchandise and take it to another aisle to hide it before they reach the checkout. B... The next clue. To parents, macing looks like necking or making out. But to teens, macing is just the latest dance craze. It's the lambada of the millennial generation. And then the third clue. Our boss tried to force us to contribute to his political cronies. But macing is illegal. He can't make us give political donations at the workplace. So which one is it? Is to mace, an acronym for meet at Counter Empty Handed, a form of shoplifting, is it a highly sexualized dance craze, or is it being forced in the workplace to give money to a political candidate?
4: Um. Wow, I'm gonna go between first one and the third one, and why is that? Um, I don't know m- because I'm not too far removed from the uh, sexual dance crazing of the youth of America, and that one hasn't co- popped up in my repertoire yet. <laughs> So I'm not going to go with that
1: one. Oh, so you don't know yeah,
4: about grinding I'm just and, just and freaking old, and my joning? my purple slippers, and don't know what I'm talking about. Okay.
0: Um,
4: but I, I'm going to go with the loss prevention term.
0: The acronym,
1: hmm. M-A-C-E, for Meet It Counter Empty Handed. It sounds very
4: choice. law enforcementish.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're, they're very overly fond of acronyms, right?
4: <laughs>
1: yeah, let's see. All right, well, unfortunately, Amber, the correct answer was C.
4: Oh, I'm so old.
1: To ma- no, no. No, to mace <laughs> is not the dancing one.
2: But you know your sexy dances. <laughs> yeah, you're fine <laughs> on the sexy dancing.
1: To mace is to force someone to give money. Okay. And wow. it's almost always these days heard in the workplace where some people still think it's okay to try to force their employees to give money to the the boss's favorite political campaign. Of course, oh, it's illegal in every okay. state. No, no, it's not no. okay. But, you know, all kinds of jerks everywhere, right? Yes, So you're one for two, 50%, but we did have a lot of fun, and that's actually all that matters.
2: (laughs) Of course. (laughs) (laughs) The most fun you can have without – that's right.
1: (laughs) Without putting shoes on.
4: Well, Amber, thanks so much for playing our game today. Thank you. It was great. I well, appreciate being um, honored with the privilege.
2: Well, Amber, for playing our game today, we're going to send you a whole book of interesting terms. It's a wonderful book called Weird and Wonderful Words, and it's by our friend Erin McKean. It's a book that's
4: truly ostrobogulous Brilliant. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank okay, you, Amber. Thank you, your day. Bye-bye. Right, Bye. Bye-bye. bye-bye.
1: We welcome your calls about anything. If you've got a question about language, though, we really would like to hear from you. The number to call is one 929 9673
2: Or email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org. Hello,
8: you have a way with words. Hi, my name is Kim Gregory, and I'm calling from Menasha, Wisconsin.
1: Hi, Kim. Kim. How are
4: What's you? Going on?
8: I have a question regarding the use of the word bad versus badly.
1: Okay, let's hear
8: it. I I teach fifth grade to a bright group of fifth graders at Clayton Elementary School, and we've been working diligently on our reading response journals. And in one of the journals, I had corrected the word bad and made reference to that it should be used badly. Uh-huh. And the the mom and the dad and the daughter were very good about going through the whole reading response journal. And about a week or so ago, she wrote me a very well-written letter explaining that my correction was incorrect. And in addition to her note, she had included some grammarian um, blogging on the topic. Mm-hmm. And um, her opinion is that when you Use the word "bad" in reference to an emotion. That you shouldn't say "I feel badly." You should say "I feel bad." Mm -hmm. So, it just—it was just—it was kind of like an enlightening moment for me because I guess I never made a distinction between the emotional part of "I feel badly" versus. And in the blogging, they did it was when you use the word "badly," it should be because your your hands are tingling and you have kind of like a. A weird sensation in your hand. Mm -hmm.
1: The conclusion is you've presented it to us is correct, particularly when you're talking about verbs followed by verbs related to emotion or the senses followed by adverbs. Because exactly as they said, if you feel badly, it means your hands aren't working correctly. If you feel bad, it means that you're maybe um, sick to the stomach or that you've done something that you're ashamed of. There's a difference there, because bad can be an adverb. It's an informal adverb, but it does exist, and most mainstream American and British dictionaries will tell you that.
8: So in in her response journal, when she had written regarding to a character in in her book, I feel bad for this character's dad because his dream of fruit lands did not come true.
1: So is it, I feel
8: bad for the dad, or I feel badly? I feel bad. Okay. I feel
1: bad because it's it's a it's an a verb, The verb has to do the key verb there has to do with emotion and okay. feeling.
8: So that so then this was a good aha for me that yes, it when was, it refers to emotion, I really do need to say I feel bad. And that yeah, I was never taught. I never I never knew that you have it good. Well, that's it's exciting. It was my kids were so excited to know my students. I call them my kids that I was presenting this to Away With Words, and they thought it was quite official that Martha and Grant were going to be my my tell-all on my on my question. So I'm, I'm excited. So thank you so much for answering you're my welcome. question.
1: So you're welcome. We are happy for three reasons. First, that you clearly love your job and you love teaching your kids. Yeah. Second, that you're doing it with vigor and enthusiasm. And third, we're glad that you called us. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your call. Okay,
8: take care. Bye-bye.
2: Take all care. Right.
1: Best of luck. Bye-bye. I feel sometimes that we have a classroom on the air. Don't you, Martha?
2: I do. I do. And I'm thinking of that Latin... Um, that Latin proverb that goes docet, discet who teaches learns. Isn't that yes, fabulous?
1: It's absolutely true. It's hundred percent true. Give us a call, one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three or email us words at waywardradio.org.
2: Hi, you have a way with words. Hi, this is David from
9: Port Washington, Wisconsin. Hiya, David. Where's Port Washington? It's about 45 minutes north of Milwaukee on the shore of Lake Michigan. Oh,
2: very nice. Well, what's on your mind, David?
9: I have a question about personal pronouns, but it isn't going to be a rant about the misuse of myself. Okay. I'd like to know why, other than biblically, biblically, I is the only pronoun we capitalize. Mm. In English. In English. And what got you to thinking about that? Well, I think it was because I noticed a lot of people online are are not capitalizing the word I in, in forums and chatting and things. And it got me thinking about why we do capitalize I. And we don't capitalize me or us or we, anything else that's self-reflective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought maybe, you know, discounted the idea of self-importance because we don't capitalize me, but we capitalize I. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wondered if it was because it so commonly starts sentences and we just got in the habit of a capital, but the other subjective forms start sentences and the word the starts a lot of sentences, but we don't capitalize any of those words.
1: Mm-hmm. So you're speculating on multiple theories here. Which one do you like best?
9: The The best one I have is that it came out of handwriting and that it was simpler to just do a slash for the letter I than it was to do a little line and a dot on top of it. So out of handwriting came the capital I just because it was easier to to write.
1: You know, you're you're not far off from what the prevailing theory seems to be, and there's no certainty on this answer, but the prevailing theory seems to be that the lowercase i is very easy to miss in a document and it doesn't stand out very well. It's just like one really thin letter hanging mm-hmm. out. The dot, actually, was added later. Originally, it was just a line. A lot of the different ways that we write became more standard when uh, you had to do that to make the printing job easier.
2: And, David, I think that you're also onto to something when you mentioned the other... Uh, pronouns like us and we and me—they're two-letter, and I is is the only one-letter pronoun that we have. And I think that that again, as Grant was saying, just seeing it on the page, it's a lot
9: easier to read if it's if it's capital.
2: You know, the the other words have a little bit more room, and so that's my so theory. It's
9: legibility as opposed to any anything self-important. Or well, I think the,
2: you're right, David. So I, th- I think it's really a matter of of legibility rather than psychology. That's my hunch.
9: Thank you very much.
2: Thank right.
1: you. Take care of your update. All right. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, write us at words at waywardradio.org or give us a call. The number is one 929 9673
1: Hello. You have a way with words.
5: Hi. This is Martha McElveen, and I'm calling from Walderboro, Maine.
1: Well, hello. Martha, what
2: a great name. Isn't it a fine name? It's a fine name. What's your middle name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth.
1: Okay, mine's Anne. What's your language question, Martha? You got one?
5: Yes, I do. Uh, In in our family, we have always said out loud on the first day of the month when you wake up, bunny bunny. And if you remember to say it before you say anything else, you're going to have a good month. And I had never met anyone else who who did that, Um, but many years ago, the first... uh, first of the month when i went to college october 1st rolled around and i woke up and i said bunny bunny and my roommate who was from an old money east coast family this was in california looked at me kind of arched an eyebrow and said do you mean rabbit rabbit <laughs> and i almost died cuz i'd never met anyone who knew anything about it but clearly in her family they had the same tradition only they weren't saying any bunny, bunny. They were saying the incredibly proper rabbit, rabbit. Robert oh, wow.
2: Robert. And so did you two duke it out then? Uh,
5: no, no. We both just had a, a real good laugh. Um, but I've always wondered where the expression comes from. I mean, it's, it's clearly not just our family. Mm-hmm.
1: I've heard of this before. Oh, uh, yeah. When I was nine, there were two books that were constantly checked out of the student library at Claude Brown Elementary. And one of those books was Shell Silverstein's Where the Sidewalk Ends. And right. the one next to it, for some unknown reason, was a book of superstitions. And this was in there. And I don't remember that book to save my life. I don't remember the title of it or the author or anything. But ah. I do remember going, that's pretty cool. That's really interesting. They had all the other stuff about stepping on cracks and mother's backs and that sort of thing. Um, so you're not alone. It's not just the two of you. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but you don't know where... Where the expression came from or anything,
1: huh? Well, we've got a few ideas. Rabbits have been associated with luck, both good and bad, for more than 2,000 years. The oldest I've been able to take it back is just the early part of the 1900s. Um, I'm sure it's older than that. I, I suspect that it comes from the United Kingdom. Oh, I think I, it
2: did. I think it hopped the pond. I think it's yeah, been I, around a long time.
1: I, th- I think it did hop the pond. Um, I do know that there are a lot of variations. One of the older variations is white rabbit, white rabbit. Uh-huh. And not only that, but some, some of the variations insist that you say the word three times, not twice. Ooh. And still, other variations say that you pull a hair out of your head after you say it, and then you punch somebody nearby. <laughs> and another one says, now these are all happening on the first day of the month as soon as you wake up. You right. can't say another word first or it's all canceled out. Exactly. So the other one says that when you do that, then you, you get out the end of the bed, not the side, or, or else you ruin it. There's tons of this A thousand and one variations. Also, um, this is widespread throughout the European cultures. A lot of people believe that if you're born on the first of the month, then you're lucky for life. Hmm. So, so I, I don't know the origin for rabbit rabbit, but um, it sure is fun to talk about it.
5: <laughs> yes, yes, and that's that's a lot of interesting variations that I had never heard of. The only one I had ever heard of was the rabbit rabbit versus bunny bunny, and I just figured it was a sort of a uh, you know, East Coast uh, versus West Coast, uh, you know, thing there.
2: Well, Martha, I have to ask, did Did you manage to say it uh, first on the first of this month?
5: This month I did, yes.
2: Yeah, and that's why you're having such a great month, right? Uh,
5: that's it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, good for you.
5: Well, thank All you right. very much. Thank you, Martha. All right, nice talking with you. <laughs> Best okay. of luck. Bye-bye. Oh,
2: bye. Well, hop on over to your phone. And give us a call. The number is one or you can email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org. Hey, Grant, I have another clever crossword clue for you from com. Oh, very well. <laughs> very well? <laughs> Since when do you say very well?
1: <laughs> I want to know why I'm always the butt of the clues. Why am the clues. I the one who has to solve this stuff? <laughs>
2: Because we love seeing your brain work.
1: I'm going to pull some out here. I'm going to get some revenge on you later.
2: Uh Uh-oh. Okay. We'll try this one. The clue is pecking order, and it is uh, six letters. It's two words. And the last letter is E. Pecking order?
1: Six letters. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. But it's two words.
1: Hmm. I want to see, I think it has something to do with a piano, but, um... Or maybe you give somebody a peck, or... Something with kisses. Uh-huh. I don't know. Uh-huh. Kiss it? me,
2: kiss me, Grant.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> kiss you, you're Irish. Oh, I see. Pecking order. Kiss me. Oh, it's a. Oh, see, there's the pun again, right?
2: <laughs> there's the pun. No wonder you couldn't get it.
1: Yep, uh, yep. blind to puns. I <laughs>
2: refuse to refuse. To. Some
1: people can't recognize faces. Some people are colorblind. <laughs> I am blind to puns.
2: <laughs> and we have a calling order for you. Get to the phone and call us at 1 929 9673 or email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org. Support for Away with Words comes from WordSmart, the vocabulary building software. Improving your vocabulary, reading comprehension, and critical thinking skills will increase your chances for success. Learn more online at wordsmart.tv. And from iUniverse, supported self-publishing. Is there a book in you? Find out how to publish it at 1-800-AUTHORS or learn more online at iUniverse.com. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Martha Barnett.
1: And I'm Grant Barrett. And joining us now... Is our quiz guy John Chinesky. Hello, John.
0: Hello, Grant. Hello, Martha. It's great Hi, to be John. here. Where the Hi. hell have you been? Uh, <laughs> I've been in Brooklyn with the kids and the wife and having a great time. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Is that what they're calling prison now, Brooklyn? Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. No, okay. I, it's, yeah. if it is prison, I love it. Tonight. Shout out to Cell Block wanna, C. I don't <laughs> want to. I don't want to be out on parole at all if I if I can. So that's Aww. really wonderful.
2: Well, John, don't tell me, let me guess. We're doing crossword puzzles on the air today.
0: Well, close. I've you know I've delivered crossword quizzes before here. But in honor of this great uh, ACPT, A-W-W-W happening, I've created a special quiz based on something that I call single crossers. These are words that share exactly one letter. For example, Siamese and twin have just one letter in common. Mm. And that letter is? I- that's right. So if those two words were to cross in a crossword, that would be the only place they could possibly cross at the I. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Okay? That's a single crosser.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I'll give you clues to some related items. For example, the current president and vice president, and they'll give you a crossing letter, say H, and you'll give me the two answers that share only that letter. So for current president and vice president and H, you would say Bush and Cheney. Bush, right. Cheney, those two only cross at the H, right. That's right. Mm-hmm. probably the easiest it can possibly get. I'll either give you a clue or a category, and some of these will have, actually have multiple correct answers, so any correct answer is fine. You ready to go? Yeah, I think we can I'm try ready. this. Yeah. Terrific. Let's give it a shot. Okay, here we go. The clue is, often found in a blue box marked craft. these two food items are a favorite of college students everywhere. And the crossing letter is C. Oh, my
2: goodness. Blue Let's box. See. I was going to Tiffany, so I'm,
1: I I'm, was I'm too. off. <laughs> <laughs> you were. Craft. they marketing Craft with a K. Craft <laughs> with a K. Craft so, so, with a K. The crossing letter
0: is a C. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: And what? Can we have the clue again? Oh, uh,
0: sure. Often found in a blue box marked Craft, these two food items are a favorite of college students everywhere. So mac and cheese? Macaroni cream? and cheese? Cree- Macaroni and cheese.
2: Oh, cr- I was going to say man. cream cheese, but that's a silver I was box.
0: like there's no C in ramen. <laughs> 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 Macaroni and cheese cross only at a single C. All right, the next one. The clue is, they introduced us to Mrs. Robinson, and the crossing letter is N. Simon and Garfunkel. Funkel, right. Very ah. good. They just cross at the end. If they were in a crossword, they would only cross at the N. Next one. The category is, the classic colors of the rainbow, and the crossing letter is D. The classic colors of the a... hmm.
2: Hmm. So, for example, indigo. Right. And let's see, Roy G. Biv. Red. Red.
0: Very simple. <laughs> That's Ooh, what that I was indigo. doing. I was running through Roy G. Biv in my head. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> let's see. Okay. cat. This, this one is sort of wide open. You could probably get a couple for this if you're lucky. The category is trees, and the crossing letter is A. Hmm. Okay, well, so. you could
1: do maple and apple. Uh, uh, no, we, you know? they,
0: they should only have one letter in common. Oh, you're right. They not oh, have several right. letters oh, in common. Right. Oh, oh. Right. That's the other way you're actually Right, it. Right. Okay, oh. there we go. But that was a good example of what is not a single cross. <laughs> Grant,
1: you lose it. <laughs> <laughs> um, trees, and they a share letter A, so let's see here. How about dogwood um, and
2: sequoia spelled with a W? No.
1: Um... <laughs> well, you could do
0: ash and apple.
4: Ooh.
0: Ash and apple work just fine. Ooh. That's great. Ash and apple, very good. Let's go on to another one. All right. The category is Disney's Seven Dwarfs, and the crossing letter is U.
2: Okay, Snuffy. No. Snuffy. <laughs> is he? <laughs>
1: Dummy, scuzzy,
0: lumpy. Um... <laughs> Goofy. What?
2: No, okay. Um, uh, uh, dopey. Dopey
0: and... Crossing as U? Crossing that is U, yes, as an umbrella. Can this be any
2: dwarf or what is... Uh, <laughs> any of
0: Disney's seven dwarves... Any, t- any two of Disney's seven dwarves who share but a single letter and that letter is U.
2: Oh, U.
1: Right. I can't even oh, name them all. I, know, I have no I idea. Well, let's try Let's try naming Sneezy. You
0: Sneezy well, and Dopey, the only two I can Sneezy think of. Sneezy Dopey. Papa or Doc. Well, there's Doc, right? Doc. Mm-hmm. You should write these down. I'll help you out if you write them down. I'm writing them down. You've got four left.
2: Um Oh for heaven's sakes. Um, is there
0: who's the
1: um unctuous?
2: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's see. Uh one of them is uh, is uh, is very glad to see you. Happy, right? Grumpy. One one of them What's that?
2: Grumpy and happy? No, that won't work. Grumpy and what's no, the other one? No, because Gr- they why they end in why.
0: Grumpy and I'll say the one that this matches is the one that everybody always forgets. Well, there we go. Of course, you guys are forgetting sleepy, which is okay, because you're both, you're both a little sleepy today, but that's fine. <laughs> the answer is bashful. Oh! Grumpy, grumpy and bashful. I'm sure a lot of you are our listeners, especially the younger ones. Hammering on the Yeah, hammering on the dashboard, hammering on the, hammering right. on the dummies, Yeah.
1: Well, John, thank you so much. This was fantastic, as always.
0: Hey, you guys did really well, and I'd like to invite our listeners to submit their own single crossers to quizguys at waywardradio.org. They should be two words that share only a single letter. The most elegant ones will be closely related words that are both nice and long. For example, ab, A-B, and gluteus maximus are both muscles, and they share an A, but that's hardly elegant. Uh, (laughs) I look forward to seeing what you can come up with. Maybe I'll use your submissions to create a quiz from Martha and Grant. Wow, that's
1: exciting, John. So the address is quizguys, Q-U-I-Z-G-U-Y-S, at waywardradio.org. That's us.
2: And if you're puzzling over a language question, give us a call. The number's 1-877-929-9673.
1: Or send us an email. The address is words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words.
10: Yes, hi, this is Hallie.
1: Hello, Hallie. What's going on? Not too Where much are you calling today.
10: from? I'm in San Diego. Okay. Awesome. So what's up? Well, um, my 9-year-old is curious about, I don't know if you call the term or the phrase, hush puppy. Uh
2: Uh-huh.
10: We've eaten them before, and my mother grew up in the South. Uh Uh-huh. And when we would go back and visit family and friends, sometimes we would actually have hush puppies to eat. Uh Uh-huh. And so the kids were wondering where the term actually came from.
2: And where in the South? She
10: was born in Macon, Georgia, and then grew up in Jacksonville, Florida.
2: Right. So tell us about hush puppies. I mean, you make it sound like it's sort of this exotic thing. I grew up eating them all the time. <laughs> it's, um, I think it's a seasoned cornmeal mm-hmm. made into a ball mm-hmm. and then deep fried. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And your nine-year-old is, is it a boy or a girl? A boy. A boy. Okay. And what's his name? David. David. So, your nine year old David wants to know why they're called hush puppies.
10: Yes. And, and the kids and I actually discussed that one day. Yeah. And the only thing that I could think of is that maybe it goes way back to the slave days or maybe people who were kind of poor and all they had was cornmeal and they might toss something out to the dog and say, hush puppy or something. But that was all the kids and I could come up with.
2: Well, that's pretty good. I mean that's headed in the right direction as far as we can tell it it goes back quite a while to when people were uh just catching fish and frying them up, and when you smell those kinds of things and your dog smells that stuff cooking, then your dog oh, okay. starts barking, and what do you do to hush the dog? You fry up a little bit of that cornmeal batter and you toss it to him oh, okay, those dogs we don't weren't talk when their mouths off. are full. <laughs> So that's pretty much the idea, just something that you okay. fry up and toss to the dogs to keep them quiet while you're cooking your own meal. Okay. All right. Well,
10: thank you very much.
2: Okay. All thank right, you, thank Helen. You. Okay. Bye-bye. 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 You know, Grant, we didn't even talk about Hush Puppies the Shoes.
1: Yeah. I don't know anything about those.
2: I believe that those uh, were so named because it used to be that people would say, my dogs are barking because dogs seriously no this... Right,
1: dogs is slang for feet
2: right and if and if your feet are tired or in pain then your dogs are barking and so hush puppies were these nice soft shoes that would make your feet feel more comfortable how about that how about them apples
1: if you got a question about food words maybe we can help you if you got a recipe to send we'd love it the address is <laughs>
2: no cook it first and then send it
1: <laughs> overnight it, nothing like uh, 3 week old food but um <laughs> The email address is words at waywardradio.org, and you can call us, one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. 929 9673
2: Hello, you have a way with words.
1: Hi, uh, this is uh, Sean from San Diego.
2: Well, hello, Sean. How are you? Hi, yeah,
1: Sean. What's up?
11: Well, you know, uh, I'm an English teacher to speakers of other languages. Mm-hmm. Great. And some time ago, I was doing a phonetic thing, and I was showing them on the board the word out. And then the word shout, and so forth. And then I get down to route, Mm -hmm. and then I added an E to route, just to tell them that now it's root and means something quite different. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Over time here, I've noticed that root has been routed by route. (laughs)
2: Well said. You have a way with words.
11: And I was wondering, when did this happen? Why did this happen? And is it just here in the U.S.?
2: And, Sean, are you upset about it?
11: Well, yes, I am. I mean, I learned my English many years ago, perhaps decades ago, in various countries, and I do pronounce it root. So I hate to see root get routed. (laughs) Especially with students who are now looking at me with big question marks over their
1: heads. (laughs) Well, you've probably talked to them before about dialects and variable pronunciation difference, for example, between British and American speech, right? True. Yeah. This is one of those examples where within a country you have uh, differences of speech. Route and root are both very common pronunciations of the word. They they battle it out. Um, You'll find that root as a pronunciation of R-O-U-T-E, is more common generally in the Northeast and the Atlantic seaboard, while route is more common in places like Illinois, Pennsylvania, Ohio. Um, But they are scattered across the country. You'll find little pockets or individuals even who say one or the other everywhere in the country.
11: Is there there a reason for that? Because it does cause confusion if you say the enemy was routed.
2: It sure does. I mean both versions, both pronunciations of that word have double meanings, don't they? I mean root like the bottom of a plant and route routing the enemy, like you said. I mean either way you go. I mean we're sort of at a at a, a fork in the root pronunciation wise. Or fork in the route. I mean I mean really, Grant, I mean there's
1: you accent. Well, I don't th- there's not that much room for confusion unless you want to make confusion. The oh, the context I is almost that. always clear here.
2: Yeah, but, but there's really no one preferred pronunciation over the others. No,
1: there isn't. Not in the United States. Mm. Now, I understand in the UK, root is the standard pronunciation, and and route only generally exists in military circles.
2: Well, and I'm thinking about that state road number 66. I mean, would anybody call that route 66?
1: No, they wouldn't. That would destroy a bit of history, wouldn't
11: it? It would.
1: (laughs) Well, Sean, I guess you've got something you can tell your students now. Just explain to them that, well, here's, you know, English... Has some rules, uh, but uh, they're inconsistent. And here's another exception for you.
11: Okay. Well, I thank you very much. All right, All right Sean. Take care, Sean. Pleasure right. talking you got with a you. Great bye-bye. show, and I follow it. Oh, wonderful! Thank you, Thanks. Take care.
2: All right. Bye bye.
9: Bye bye.
1: If you've got a question about pronunciation, we'll take a stab at it. The number is one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or email us. The address is words at waywardradio dot org.
12: Hi. You have a way with words. Hello.
1: Hi, who is this?
12: This is Peg. I'm from Indianapolis.
2: Do you have a question for us today? Or? I do.
12: When I was a little girl, and growing up in a family of uh, four siblings, our dad certainly was a man who had many funny phrases and slang terms. Nice. Some that he had picked up in World War II with his buddies, and others that he had picked up on the streets of St. Louis where he grew up. Mm-hmm. His family moved there when he was about four. And one of the phrases that he used frequently when we were kids was the term "giggle weeds.
1: Giggle way, weeds. Yeah,
12: the way he would use that, uh, frequently it came up when we were in a car all squashed in together in an old sedan or station wagon, one of those big boats, and we'd be <laughs> hurtling through the countryside, and probably because of the way my dad drove, he would scare little animals along the side of these country roads, and they would run across the road in front of the car and he might swerve, and as the animal would disappear into the growth along the side of the road, he'd say, look, kids, did you see that? The rabbit ran into the giggle weeds. Mm-hmm. And we'd all look, and those of us who had windows would lord it over those who didn't and talk about seeing that animal go into the giggle weeds. Sure. And uh, other times he would use it, thought we would use it, would be if we were... Um, perhaps out shopping or strolling, taking a walk somewhere, and if someone dropped a coin or keys and they simply bounced off the sidewalk into long grass, he would then use the term again. And he'd say, one of you need to get down on your hands and knees and look through the giggle weeds for that coin. So I did ask my father what it meant. I've asked him a couple of times, and as recently as um, this past weekend when I went to visit him in a nursing home where he lives, and he said the same thing he told me a couple years ago, and that was that the term came from uh, couples who, and I guess this would have been in the, my dad was born in 1923, so this must have been in the 30s, when he was a teenager. And he said couples would uh, go ho- holding hands and they'd be walking along a country road. And then when they would get in an amorous mood... They would head off to one side of the road and go back in the trees and bushes where nobody could see them. And if you happened to be in the area, you could hear them laughing and giggling. Uh-huh. And he said that where they were, that was the giggle weeds. The giggle weeds. weeds. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't believe him. You don't? You no. Know.
1: Peg, I've been Googling it as we were talking, and you're right, there's just a handful of uses of it. It doesn't come up in books or newspapers that often. It's It's incredibly rare, even in the... The the closed databases that you can't search from, from the internet for free, I, I don't find that many uses of it. And when I do find it, they're all exactly the same with no explanation. They all basically just say something ended up or someone ended up in the giggle weeds. And, and they just use it as if everyone's going to know what they mean. And I, I think what you've hit upon here is a phrase that simply is not recorded anywhere.
12: Well, and you need to record it then. You're exactly
2: well, you're, right. You're this right, is <laughs> we do. This that would pers- be so exciting. And, and, Peg, you are one of us because this is exactly the kind of thing that gets Grant and me very excited. Oh, exciting. yeah.
1: I, I've had fellow lexicographers, they're like, well, why do you deal so much with those outliers and fringe words? I'm like, because that's where the fun is. Oh,
12: my gosh, because that makes your blood boil. It just is thrilling.
1: Yeah, it's great. Yes, I, I don't even think that this is in the dictionary of American regional English. I don't although, think it is. Although I, I will, I will email the it. editors there and ask them if perhaps they have some files. Perhaps well, they please do they'd because they'd it's just such a great this.
12: phrase. It is. It is. It's it's beautiful. Well, and well, let's as soon do this. as you use it, and in, in, in the moment that something happens, people know exactly what it means.
1: Let's put the call out to our listeners. If you know this phrase, the giggle weeds, as she's used it here, by all means, give us a call, one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three 929 9673 and tell us about it. You can also email us, tell us where you're from, how you use the expression, and, and anything else that you know about giggle weeds.
2: Peg, this is very exciting. Thank you for bringing it up. Well, thank you for
12: taking the call, and I do hope you find out what it is, because my whole family's dying to know.
1: Super duper. All
12: thank right. You. Thanks.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank Bye-bye. you.
12: Bye-bye.
2: Well, if a question has you wandering around in the giggle weeds, give us a call. The number's one or email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org.
1: That's our show for this week, but if you have something you want to get off your chest, leave us a phone message anytime. The number is 1 877 929 9673. Or stop by our discussion forum at waywardradio.org.
2: Or you can always email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org.
1: Stephanie Levine is our senior producer. Our technical director and editor is Tim Felton.
2: We've had production assistance from Michael Bagdasian and Dana Polakowski.
1: Away with Words is produced at Studio West in San Diego. I'm Grant Barrett.
2: And I'm Martha Barnett, tomato, inviting you to join us I next time potato, right here on Away With Words. I
4: say, tomato, I say, Creole, tomato, oh, let's call the whole thing off. Oh, if we call the whole thing off, then we must part. And oh, if we ever part, that would break my heart so i say oyster you say oyster i'm not gonna stop eating oysters just because you say oysters let's call the whole thing
2: hey listeners we have a favor to
1: ask we'd love for you to fill out our listener survey at gum.fm words Your feedback is
2: crucial, it's quick, and it helps us make our show even better.
1: It shapes our show, helps us plan, and ensures we're bringing you the content you love.
2: That's gum.fm slash words.
1: Thanks for being a part of what we do.
2: Thank you.